Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable from London. I might be in Spain tomorrow. I don't know. I still haven't bought a ticket, but who knows? It's like raining and cold in London. It is July 24th, the height of summer, and I'm walking around in a full Jordan sweatsuit with my hood pulled over my head. It's cold here. And it's supposed to be cold all week. Is this y'all summer? This is how y'all do summer? I know it's London. I've lived here before. I didn't know it was going to be like this in summer. I moved to Paris in two weeks. I can't wait. Paris has sun. Spain has all the sun. They got too much sun. It's 105 degrees in Sevilla. They have a little castle that has been on my bucket list forever and a day. I want to see this little castle so bad. I'm not going to see the castle in 105 degrees. I don't want to see nothing in 105 degrees. I went to Vegas to see Usher in the summer. It was hot as shit. The Usher is not in Sevilla. That's not the point. The point is, remember last week I was like, I'm not going to see the Barbie movie. It's just not going to happen. I'm just, it's not my fair. It just, I'm not the audience for it. I said I'd watch it when it came on Netflix or HBO or one of the streamers. I was adamant about it too. Mad people wrote in and was like, D, you need to go see the Barbie movie. I was like, the Barbie movie? Really, y'all? The Barbie movie? And they were like, D, you need to go see the Barbie movie. They were like, it's, it's, it's made for you. You'll love it. It's feminist. It's woke. It's fighting the patriarchy. And I was like, the Barbie movie? The Barbie movie. Here's what convinced me. There's a gentleman that listens to the podcast. We don't have regular interactions. I don't know if we've had an interaction before. But he slid in my DMs and not in the way you would think. He was like, hey. You need to go see the Barbie movie. And I was like, huh? He was like, I got an eight-year-old daughter. It's like laugh out loud funny. You really need to go see the Barbie movie. Enough people had talked about this movie. And I'll be honest, I thought this was going to be a case because there's so much marketing for the Barbie movie. I thought it was a bit of overkill. It's everywhere in London. And Barbie's not a British brand. And they're pushing it so, so hard. It's a global marketing push for this movie. And I was like, yo, I wonder if this movie's even going to do numbers. Like, is this going to be a case where they do all this marketing and the movie is a flop? Honestly, I thought it was going to be a flop. Just an opening weekend. What is it? Did it do 155 million? Is that the number that I read? It's, it's doing numbers. I did all my maintenance this morning. And when I came out of my last appointment, it had started to drizzle. And I didn't want to come home and just sit in my apartment. And I only have two weeks left in London. So I'm trying to like be outside and see London and and take advantage of the time that I have left. So I was like, well, what can I do in the city? And since it was drizzling, I was like, well, let me go to the movies. I went to the movies twice. I told you I went to see, oh, maybe I didn't. I haven't talked to you since Friday. I went to see Mission Impossible on, on Saturday. It was raining then too. I only go to the movies for like big movies. Mission Impossible, you know how I love action flicks, so that made sense. But I had, again, no intention of seeing Barbie. But it was raining, 
I checked the theaters near me. There was a showing in 20 minutes and I was like 15 away. I was like, well, you know what? Let me go check out Barbie. And did. And low key, I didn't love it. I've seen people raving about it. It was solid. It made me think. To the point, I'm not going to go back to theaters to see it. But when it comes out, I'll probably watch it a couple times to make sure I catch everything. It had depth. The Barbie movie. I know a bunch of people are listening and be like, I told you. I told you. You told me when you were talking to the podcast. You didn't actually tell me. Most of y'all. Some of y'all did actually tell me. That's not the point. The point is, I was wrong. You were right. The Barbie movie actually was good. I'll tell you what also pushed me to see it. A bunch of Republicans, because you know, the actors can't do the red carpets and push the films anymore because of the strike. So there were like some conservative political types. It was a husband and wife. I don't remember their names, nor do I care enough to go look them up. But they went to see the Barbie movie and they did many reviews with the promise of saying more later. They were like, it's Barbie and it was supposed to be like fun and girly, but actually it was woke and fighting the patriarchy and feminism. They say feminism like like it's an F word, like it's a really bad thing. And I was like, fight the patriarchy, feminism and wokeness, like in the Barbie movie? But they hated it. They were so riled up about it about like emasculating men. I was like, really? This sounds like my kind of fair. Not the emasculating men. I don't care to do that. But usually when people talk about like, oh, men are being emasculated, they're really not. It's just women are being censored. And then people call that emasculating men. And I was like, this actually sounds intriguing. I was like, still I ain't going to see it. Till the father of an eight-year-old, he was like, yo, you really need to go see that shit. <laughs> it's it's a... Not a, not a dissertation. That's not the word I want to do. A pondering about patriarchy and women's roles. And also, I don't know if this was intentional or not, but kind of how like men screw shit up. Like they don't know how to share, for lack of a better word. Like their egos get in the way and they just want to dominate shit. And it's like you can insert yourself and you can take up more space without sucking everybody else's space out of the room. That balance I find is really, really difficult for a lot of men. They don't know how to like be more without like making someone else feel less. Issa's role in it was really small. And I'm happy Issa got a job. And I'm, I'm happy Issa's working. I'm happy Issa's in a blockbuster. I want Issa to cash all of her checks. I just, you know, personally just wanted more Issa. She's the president of Barbie Land. Like, she's a big deal, but she really didn't have, like, a lot of lines. She wasn't very pivotal to the storyline, which I was like, it's Issa fucking Ray. I was like, you hire Issa fucking Ray just to give her five lines? I mean, cash the check, sis, cash the check. But still, I'm like, you hire the Issa, let the Issa do what the Issa does. Let her steal some scenes, take up some space. I think I forgot how feminist Barbie is. And at one point, I actually did think of Barbie as very feminist. I think there was a big shift in the conversation and the way people spoke about Barbie until the movie came out. I think when people would speak of Barbie, they would talk about like her dimensions and how if she was a real woman, she would literally be unable to sustain herself because her waist is too small. And a lot has been made about Barbie's, her physical size and the messaging that she sends to girls and, and women about 
weight and appearance and proportion and things like that. And I know the movie is produced by Mattel, so they have like a vested interest. But the movie made a really strong point about Barbie's feminist leanings. Until Barbie, little girls didn't have an adult doll to play with. You played with baby dolls. You cosplayed at being mom. And then you get Barbie... And although she originally started as like a doll in a swimsuit, she eventually becomes so many more things like Barbie's an astronaut, Barbie's a judge, Barbie's a ballerina, Barbie's a doctor, Barbie's a nurse, Barbie's a pilot, Barbie's literally anything that you can imagine. And they present the idea that little girls, instead of just looking at themselves as all I can be is mom, is I can be mom, but I can also be any of these 511 jobs that Barbie got. Somebody also pointed out that Barbie is unmarried. (laughs) There are bride Barbies, but for the most part, Barbie is unmarried with no children. She does what she wants. Barbie's dream house is Barbie's. It's not Barbie and Ken's. Barbie's pink Corvette is Barbie's. Like all that shit is Barbie's. Barbie is super feminist and also super feminine. I don't think I've really noticed that before. I think as a kid, like I picked up on the idea of like, I want pilot Barbie. I want beach Barbie. I want Barbies of of different occupations and professions. And I would, you know, play with my Barbies and dress them up, play make-believe with different professions, which I think is hella feminist. Like telling little girls, like you could be fuck anything as opposed to cosplay as mommy. And that's your only role. That was another thing the conservative folks were like upset about. Early in the film, they show little girls bashing their baby dolls in order to play with their Barbies. The conservatives were really upset about that. Like the, the, I don't know, the denigration of motherhood. I'm paraphrasing, but essentially that's what they were getting at. I told you I would actually go see it again. And because like it's doing these numbers, they're going to fuck around and do a sequel, which I would go to in theaters. It was good. I didn't love it. It's not my usual fare, but I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Like it was delightful and pink. I mentioned I saw Mission Impossible. Fucking amazing. The plot was Mission Impossible plot. It's always convoluted, so much going on. There's a love interest. I could care less. I am totally here for the action scenes. There is this long-ass car chase through Rome. Amazing. Amazing. Only to be topped by a train derailing, which is in the trailer. I'm not giving anything away. Amazing. It's one of the best action sequences I've ever seen. Like, I was yelping in the theater. Like they really going to let Tom Cruise die. If this is Mission Impossible 7 and it's part one, a thing happens, but then there's, you know, clearly more to come. I think it's one of two. I might go see that in theaters again. And here's why. I went to this really cute theater that's like near my house. It was really boutique and adorable. Oh, by the way, regular regular theaters here, the equivalent of AMC serves wine and beer. Like I had wine when I went to see Barbie today. It was great. But no M&Ms, like the snacks are not the snacks at home. I know I'm not at home, so I shouldn't expect the snacks at home. But they were, you know, I like my movie theater snacks. I like my big ass bucket of popcorn with a whole bunch of butter. I asked the lady today just on a whim and I was like, do you have do you have butter for the popcorn? And she was like, no, we have salty. We have sweet. I'm good. Thanks. But really cute theater. It was like watching it in my living room because like the screen wasn't that big. 
but then also watching a not big screen, but then watching it from like way across the room. Cause I was like, I was like, Oh, it's row eight. I'll be fine. But then the theater only had like 10 rows and it was like really spread out. And I was like, yo, so I had my glasses on. So it wasn't so bad, but you know, like I like to, you know, sit in the center seat in the center of like a big ass theater. And I like to get like immersed in the experience. And I didn't, I didn't feel immersed. The screen was small and then I ain't had no butter popcorn. Even when they do sell popcorn here, it's not like a tub. They serve you a reasonable portion. Sometimes I just want to be an obnoxious American. Is that bad? But Mission Impossible was really, really good. If you like action flicks, basically, if you've liked all the other Mission Impossibles, it's one of the better ones. It was really good. I would actually go back and watch all the other Mission Impossibles. The movie got me that hype. Did I do anything else? No, because it's fucking raining. I have a list of things that I want to do before I leave London. There's a couple restaurants I haven't been to, a couple art exhibits that I haven't been to, a couple plays that I want to see. I don't know when I got so into theater. I guess because London is known for its theater. But even when I was in New York, I didn't go to the theater all the time. I feel like it's a little more accessible here. I don't know why that is. Mm. And they got a lot of black shows on too. Not that I don't, you know, like white people theater, but you know, I prefer... I prefer black content. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good and then a bang in the night and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home and I can tell you, I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Good black news. Jamie Foxx has reappeared. Not just the sighting. Jamie Foxx gave us a video. He posted on his social media. He thanked folks for their support, their prayers, their well wishes. He did hear us. He heard our cries and our prayers, our, our well wishes for his well-being. Maybe like a five-minute video. He went on for a little bit, longer than I expected. And I could tell he was sick. I mean, one, he looks different. He's a little lighter. He lost a lot of weight. His face is is very much slimmer. Even if he looked exactly the way that he did before he got sick, I would know because of the way he was speaking. There's a tone people take on after they've been through some shit. It could be physically sick, emotional. But when people hit rock bottom, and maybe it's something I recognize because I've been there, and they're coming back from that because I don't think he's fully, fully recovered. When his color comes back in, I'll say he's fully back. But when you're coming back from 
from a place that you never thought you'd be from the worst off you've ever been. There's a humility one, but there's a gratitude as well. And I felt that emanating from what he was saying. He talked about his daughter and his family that they kept a close eye on him and they, they formed a circle around him and they didn't let details or images or anything get out. Jamie said in the video, he said, I could have said something earlier. He's like, but I was messed up. And he said, I don't want y'all to see me like that, which brother, you don't have to show us nothing now. I appreciate that you made the video, but you didn't have to. I appreciate that you wanted to say something to the fans, but this is not something he had to do. But he said of his daughter, specifically, he said his daughter, and then he said family. And he said, they protected me. And it was something about the way he said it. It's just, I know that feeling. And I was like, woo, woo. I'm glad he's still with us. I could just tell by the way he spoke. And he said he was down bad. That's paraphrasing. I'm not quoting him. But I'm happy Mr. Fox is back with us. I prayed for that man. Y'all know I prayed for that man because I prayed on here for that man. I told y'all when, when I first heard Jamie Foxx was ill, I was like, oh no. I didn't know I cared about Jamie Foxx that much. I mean, I knew I liked him, but I didn't know like I felt like a deeply visceral feeling about Jamie Foxx. Turns out I do. I seen y'all crazy asses talking about that's not really Jamie Foxx. That's AI, the video. And y'all were like, that don't really look like Jamie. The face isn't right. The color isn't right. It's AI. It's a clone. Y'all need conspiracy theories. Gotta fucking stop. The man was sick. He lost some color. Whatever was going on in his body, whatever medicines they were giving him, the man was weak. He wasn't outside. His melanin drained. Y'all sound crazy. They cloned him. He actually talked about it too. He was like, yeah, I saw people saying I'm a clone. Really? That nonsense actually reached Jamie Foxx? Oh God. I rewatched They Cloned Tyrone. I think I watched it the morning that I recorded last week's episode. And I was like, I need to watch it again because it wasn't holding my attention. I watched it again. It still didn't hold my attention all the way through. Like maybe I'm just not the sci-fi conspiracy black exploitation because it's all of those things. Maybe I'm just not the audience for it. I thought it was better the second time around. And I'll probably watch it again just because I think John Boyega is an amazing actor. I keep watching parts of the press run that he did for this film before the strike happened. The actors can't promote films right now because of the strike. But I keep seeing all these clips of John Boyega. It's like John Boyega as like himself, obviously, like doing interviews. And then they show his character from the film. And I was like, yo, the range, my dude, the range for you to go from you to the nigga you played in that film. Like you're a drug dealer clone. And then you're also like, you know, Hollywood royalty and British. I was like, yo, the man's range is out of this fucking world. I probably watch it again just to look at John Boyega, even though I don't find him the most attractive in this film. But, you know, John Boyega on his worst day is still like MF John Boyega. Y'all saw that video of Erica Badu trying to steal, not even trying to steal, stealing John Boyega from me. She was on stage at a concert and she just randomly started talking about John Boyega. She was like, y'all watch Star Wars? <laughs> and then started talking about this fine John Boyega and then moved on to something else. And then John Boyega's thick ass appeared on the goddamn stage. And I was like, are you kidding me right now? Erica Badu was just up there singing her heart out. And John Boyega's just waiting in the wings. And then he finally came over. I think she genuinely didn't know he was there. Because the way she was acting and carrying on, she was like, oh, I got to finish the song. And then she was distracted. And then she was like, clean him up and put him in the bus for me. I'll be there. <laughs> Only Erica. If I lose John Boyega to Erica Badu, I, I can't be mad. She's a very enticing woman with the big old booty too. And a cute face. 
You win some, you lose some. He fine as hell. Just nice and thick. Just just warm. Wide. There was something else we were supposed to talk about. John Boyega, the Barbie movie, Jamie Foxx. Oh! So look. How I want to get into this. I don't know all the correct terminology. Sometimes I hesitate to talk about certain issues because I don't want to sound ignorant. I don't want to, in my attempt to make a point that is inclusive, use the wrong language and end up being offensive. Even with my heart in the right place, I don't want to do damage. I I really don't ever want to do harm. So sometimes I avoid speaking about certain issues because I just, I realize like I'm not, I'm not as informed as I need to be. Here's where we're going with this. There's a video that's been circulating by Just Hilarious. It's a response video to a trans woman who was speaking about, and this is just the clip that I saw. I don't know what her whole conversation was, but in the clip that I saw, she was speaking about cis women, CIS, and she was saying that cis women don't have a monopoly on periods or childbirth. And then I saw Jess Hilarious's reaction. It was all stitched together in, in the video clip that I've seen. Um, Jess Hilarious, if you're not familiar, there's a lot of non-Americans and people who are outside of social media culture that listen to the show. Jess Hilarious is a comedian. She's really big on social media. She has about 5 million followers on Instagram. And she's also the new host of The Breakfast Club with Charlemagne, DJ Envy. Angela Yee used to be the woman who was part of the trio. She departed not so long ago. And Just Hilarious is her replacement. I point that out to say that she has a big following and a really big reach. But Just Hilarious saw this video of, of the trans woman speaking about menstrual cycles and pregnancy and womanhood, essentially. And she had this reaction, a very big reaction, a very visceral reaction. And watching her speak, and I was like, what is she so fucking riled up about? You this mad over a woman talking about periods and pregnancy? I don't define my womanhood by bleeding once a month. I don't define my womanhood by whether I can or cannot get pregnant or, or produce life, having a womb. These are not things that I think about on a regular basis. And it's not because I don't have kids. It's just not how I define my womanhood. And thinking about how to have this conversation on here, like I was actually thinking like, well, how do you define your womanhood? The thing is, I don't. I just am. I just am a woman. Like that's just, That's just it. I don't think there's one particular thing that I do or don't do that makes me feel like a woman. And if even if it did make me in particular specifically feel like a woman, if there was another woman who didn't do that thing, it wouldn't make her less of a woman. So I don't know how to actually like define womanhood just to be like, oh, well, I bleed once a month. Like, okay, well, when my menstrual cycle stops, will I still be a woman? Like, yeah, I have the ability to give life. Like, I still have a period. Shit's heavy as fuck. I don't know what the fuck is going on with my body. Nobody warned me about this shit in your 40s, but that's neither here nor there. 
But like, yeah, like I can still create life theoretically. I've never really tried, but I think I could if I wanted to. I don't know. But if I can't, I've never looked at anyone's grandmother. And I mean like a grandmother in her like 60s or 70s, because sometimes you could be a grandmother in your 30s. I've never looked at anybody's like grandmother or great grandmother, if you will, and thought of her as less of a woman because she's no longer has a period and she's no longer able to conceive children. Defining womanhood that way just seems very narrow. And I mean, both for the woman who was saying it and also just hilarious for trying to like defend it. She was like, women are the only ones who bleed. Like, uh, okay, kind of. I think the woman who, who made the video about periods and women and saying cis women don't have a monopoly on a cycle or pregnancy. I think the point that she was making was that, yes, so cis women have periods and can be pregnant, but also this is something that's available to trans men. Also people who are non-binary. I think whether you agree depends on whether you acknowledge non-binary people or trans people. And maybe that's where Jess was coming from. I'm giving her grace and saying maybe because she specifically was like, you think that you're this or that other than what you were born. Again, paraphrasing. That rant was so hateful. I really don't want to go listen to it again. I wish you could have seen my face. Like I was horrified listening to that. She said something like people who think that there's something different than what they are born as. They're crazy. They belong in straight jackets. And I was like, yo, what the fuck are you saying? So, you know how as black people, we watch white people get into this like hissy fit tizzy about being replaced and their fear of the browning of America. I'm thinking specifically of the idea of replacement theory, which sounds nuts until you see those white men. Was it Virginia? Where it was like the white men with the torches. And they were literally chanting, Jews will not replace us. And we were like, are Jews trying to replace you? Like, is that what you think? But there's a genuine fear that white people have them losing power, them losing relevance, of there just being too many goddamn black and brown people. And they do crazy shit like mass shootings or or these protests carrying torches. Or they create these laws like straight up fucking lying to people about slavery, talking about it was beneficial to the slaves in the long run. Really, nigga? Or you oppress a group of people for hundreds of years and not just oppress, enslave them. Ban them from education, from literally being literate. And then after 40 years of affirmative action, be like, yeah, that's enough. It's it's not fair to give y'all advantage. After all the disadvantage that you legally enforced for, for hundreds of years, 40 years of some help, not a head start of some help. That's enough. Y'all good. Really? I'm pretty sure replacing white people is not high on the Jewish agenda. I can speak for the black agenda. I got a whole bunch of friends who literally their public facing day jobs are to create policy and literally promote an agenda that is for the betterment of black people. They are well known. They are on TV like every day. This is not high on the list. Black people don't want to replace white people. If you want to be honest, if we're having 110% pure honesty, black people really just want to be left alone from white people. Really, please just stop bothering me. Stop antagonizing me. Just let me be. Take your knee off my neck. That's really all black people want. So again, white people get into these tizzies about like, they're trying to replace us. They have this like deep, deep fear of their extinction. And they do crazy shit and lash out because of that. Black people recognize this. 
Put a pin in that. The Samuelites, the raging misogynists and the incels and these podcast bros and these passport bros and their absolute rage against women. These men, the types that I just mentioned, I don't mean all, and another neon neck situation out of fear. I don't necessarily think of extinction. I think their fear is not being valuable, not having a place. Like they see women getting education and traveling and having good jobs and owning homes, being independent essentially, and they don't feel like they have a space. And they sit online and they rage all day and all night. They get on their podcasts and they rage all the day and all the night about submission and a woman's role and how a man deserves to be served the big piece of chicken on a ceramic plate and he deserves to be served before the children because a man's natural role is a leader and alpha men. It's this big assertion of this is my role and this is your place and your place is beneath me. It's the same fear that we talk about, like white people's fear of being replaced. They have that same fear of not being needed. They have a a big fear of things changing and they want to keep things in this very mythological way that's never existed for black people where Women are homemakers and mothers and their biggest accomplishment is being wife and they don't get degrees and they don't get good jobs and they serve and they submit. And I'm like, your mama ain't act like that. And your grandmama ain't act like that. Who the fuck acted like that? Where are y'all getting this shit from? It's this 1950s leave it to beaver type shit that they saw on TV. It's a white ideal that they're trying to now place on the black family it never fucking existed that way black women in mass have always had to be employed because a household couldn't run on her husband's salary just like how black women make a fraction of what white men make black men make a fraction of it too a higher fraction but a fraction nonetheless most black men couldn't and can't sustain a household of a wife and two kids on their salary alone stop it Black women very often point out to these raging misogynist black men, y'all sound like white folks. Damon Young, one of my favorite writers, I think one of his most widely read articles is he talked about black men being the white folks of black people. The core idea was in the same way that like white folks assert like all these privileges and have like this fear of black people and just want to like oppress everyone that black men do the same thing to black women. Can I suggest to black women, not all of us, but many of us, because Jess Hilarious had a whole lot of likes on that video, most of them from black women. We have a third eye and that we can see black men's sexism. And we have a third eye where we can see white people's racism and we can make a comparison between the two and be like, that's the same shit. You know what else is the same shit? The way we be acting about trans women. That same fear that white people have about being replaced and that these misogynistic black men have about not being needed and being emasculated and losing their their space and their sense of self. We acting just like them in the way that we talk about trans women. Trans women are not a threat to us. The progress of trans women, the visibility of trans women, 
is no more a threat to us than the progress of women is to men or the progress of black and brown people is to white folks. It really ain't got shit to do with us. Black and brown people just want to thrive. We're not trying to take white folks' jobs. We just want to work. We want to be the best that we can be, and we want to have the opportunities to be that. We want white folks to take the knee off our neck. We'll figure out the rest from there. With the misogynists, the incels, the Samuelites, and all this ranting, women don't particularly want their approval. We don't want to replace them. To be quite honest, we don't want to not want them. In a perfect world, we'd actually like to engage more with black men. With the constant oppression, the knee on the neck, it makes it sometimes impossible. Like, I can't even hold a conversation with you. You see me as subhuman. I can't really talk to you when you don't even recognize my basic humanity. That I might have dreams and ambitions and desires for my life that don't include serving you or submitting to you. It gets real complicated to build with you when you see my primary function is how to be in service to you. It's a mindset that interferes with the progress of black women and in addition to also the progress of black people. We cannot get ahead as a community, as a race, when you have half the population wanting to oppress the other half. Can I suggest to you, if you can acknowledge those two things about what we want from white folks and what we want from men folks, that it might be very similar to what trans women want from us. It's kind of like a, you ain't got to do shit for me. If you could just take your knee off my neck, you ain't got to do nothing special. Just leave me the fuck alone. Don't antagonize me. Jesus Christ. I think we have a real blind spot with that. I'm not a trans woman and listening to Jess Hilarious's comments was triggering for me just to hear like a woman being so very hateful to other women over periods. Really? Over fucking periods. I don't even like my cycle. I loathe my cycle. Imagine me being loud and beating my chest over I have a period and you don't. Who gives a fuck? I could carry a baby. You can't. And I promise you trans women are not trying to replace you. I also promise you that using inclusive language doesn't harm you. Like there's this idea like I'm not a cis woman. I'm just a woman. Stop calling me cis. You know what? If you don't want to use it, then don't use it. But the idea that it's like harmful to you, that it's othering you, that it's making you less of a woman, it isn't. It's just really being inclusive. That's that's it. Not centering yourself in every fucking thing. The same way that we ask for white folks not to do that shit, the same way that we ask for men not to do that shit, it's the same thing that trans women are asking for us. And we should know how it feels because we get so frustrated with men. We get so frustrated with white folks. We know how it feels, and then we're turning around and doing that shit to somebody else. Why? What are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? And what do we have to gain by it? Like, you put your knee on a trans woman's neck, and you gain what? What? You oppress trans women, and you gain what? You other trans women, and you gain what? Approval from misogynistic men? Approval from white folks? primarily folks who already don't like you is that what this is i oppress them and so other people that are oppressing me will oppress me less they still gonna oppress your ass and you just gonna oppress somebody else for what you gain nothing that's the podcast i'll be back on friday as per usual that's not everything because between the time i recorded this 
And then the time I did the edit, there was another press conference about Carly, the girl down in Alabama. Apparently her lawyer read a statement in which she admits she lied about everything. There was no toddler. She wasn't abducted, which I was like, I mean, we figured that out already. I did read that the police department is considering criminal charges. I told y'all my stance last week. Treat her like a white woman. Them Karens be lying about shit all the time and never get punished. They was treating her like a white woman before and how they were looking for her. Keep treating her like a white lady. The, the girl did some dumb shit, but let this black girl get a pass. We as a people deserve it. All right, bye.